I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today we've got Jason Anderson with us. He's the Economic Development Director for Rochelle, Illinois. Jason, welcome to our show. Hey, Chad, thanks for inviting me. I've been really looking forward to doing this with you. Yeah, happy to have you. And unfortunately, I'm a little under the weather today, so maybe my accent doesn't come across as strong when I'm under the weather, Jay. This might be an advantage. People might listen to more of the show today, so... Why don't we start out with you telling these people where Rochelle is located and a little bit about Rochelle. Yeah, Rochelle, Illinois is a community. It's in north central Illinois. It's about half a distance from Lake Michigan to the Mississippi River. So we're right here in the center of northern Illinois, 75 miles outside of Chicago. And we are known as the hub city in Illinois because of the transportation systems of the interstate highways and the class one railroads that crisscross here in Rochelle. And for a town of 9,500 people, we probably have been the most progressive community in building infrastructure for industrial development of any community in the country. And I'm excited to tell you a little bit about it. Yeah, you really are. And, you know, matter of fact, just within the last couple of months, some of the places we've been, we've made recommendations for them to do some of the things y'all are doing. And so maybe you need to cross over in the consulting world. But first of all, talk about owning your own railroad. I mean, how'd you guys come about doing that? Well, you know, one of the great things about Rochelle is is that it has two class one railroads. Now, people didn't always think that because they hated the railroads for years and years and years before they started building grade separations because the railroads blocked every crossing in town. But 40 years ago, a group of very innovative people that were a part of the Greater Rochelle Economic Development Corporation got the Chicago Northwestern Railroad to donate a switch and rail materials so that they could start a little railroad spur off of the main and bring a cold storage facility to Rochelle that was going to distribute French fries into the Chicago market. That was 40 years ago. Today, that is now the city of Rochelle Railroad. That is now 12 miles of track and it serves 14 industries. And the unique thing about this little short line railroad is that we serve both the Union Pacific main line 
and the Burlington Northern Santa Fe main line. And so the fact that we have two class one railroads and they get equal access, our industries have the advantage of forcing the two railroads to do something that they really hate to do, and that's compete for business. Now, that's exciting. The city of Rochelle Railroad now is a part of our utility group that I manage as part of the economic development department. Two years ago, we reached our peak. It generates about $2 million of revenue to our community of 9,500 people, which I can't tell you how big an impact that makes. Wow. So then you put it with your utility. I know y'all also own your own internet service. So talk about that. Yeah. You know, back in the nineties, when nobody really knew how to spell internet, the city of Rochelle had a retired air force general or colonel come to be the utility director. And he started talking about fiber optics and being able to make a fiber optic system around Rochelle. And we then started to hang fiber optic cables on our power poles and started to serve industry with high-speed broadband, which many industries didn't hook onto right away because they didn't know what that really was. And then we went and developed a partnership with the Illinois Department of Transportation. They had a whole bunch of dark fiber running along the interstate highway system in Rochelle, from Chicago to Rochelle. We went, we leased the fiber, we put our own fiber optic system in. (laughs) And the funny thing was, is that if you remember back in the mid nineties, you had to dial up and you know you had to make a long distance phone call. When you got your phone bill at the end of the month, you screamed because it was a $400 phone bill because you were on the internet. Well, when nobody would provide this little community direct dial up, they said, the heck with you, we're just gonna become our own internet service provider. And they did, they became Rochelle.net in 1996. And now we're really on the forefront of it all because of our advanced technology on fiber. And then the other thing that we did is we built our own data center and we provide backup data services to industries locally as well as around the country. It's no wonder y'all have as many industries as you have there. You know, years ago, obviously, internet was important, rail was important, but now all you hear people talk about is workforce, workforce, workforce. So talk about what y'all are doing. I think you've actually seen to it a child care center was built. So talk about a little bit of that. You know, if you go across this country today, and I've done some traveling and we're going to be actually traveling to Florida next month or next week, hire, hire, hire. That's all you see, right? Hiring people. So I've told the city manager and the mayor about three months ago, I said, you know what? we got to do something about workforce. And we held a meeting last week with 22 industries and we just had a listening session. What's wrong? Why can't we hire people? What's going on? And of course, everybody talked about the federal government providing all these subsidies and people don't have any motivation to go back to work. I said, okay, eventually that's going to go away, but what do we need to fix? Well, here's what we're doing. So childcare. Childcare is a huge, huge issue. I mean, every industry said it's not just daycare. We need night care. We need three shifts. And so the child care system center here died on the vine with the pandemic a year ago. It closed. And now there's a school that actually is being vacated. And the mayor is making an initiative, working with a child care provider to convert that vacant school into a three shift daycare center. Now, as you know, there's all kinds of government regulations and it takes weeks, if not months, if not years to get everything done, but we're working on childcare. And we think that that's a big one. But secondly, we're working on housing. Housing's a big deal in rural America, right? There's not enough houses. There's not affordable housing. We have a group came in, got a big incentive from the Illinois Development Housing Authority, and they're gonna build a 30 unit 
two bedroom, three bedroom apartment complex that's going to be what they call workforce housing. And that's going to start construction next year. And then right on the heels of that, we're working with another group that wants to build a 72 unit facility. And really this is designed for workforce. This is designed for a housing that's affordable, not section eight, not poor people that could be making as much as 60, $70,000 a year living in nice new housing accommodation. So we're going to check off the housing issue here pretty quick. We've got the childcare issue and now the training issue. The high school, like many high schools, gave up on industrial arts 25, 30 years ago. No, don't have shop no more, right? So now the high school is partnering with the economic development office, my office, and they're working with several industries and they're gonna reintroduce industrial arts. In fact, they're gonna invest a significant amount of money and they're gonna invite these industries to bring instructors right into the school system. The Kishwaukee Community College, which is just down the road, is gonna do the same thing. They're going to work with us and we're going to basically be training our young people for the jobs that are being created right now, right here and right now. So your and industries are literally going to put one of their people into the college to train. That's exactly what now we're that is on. smart. I hadn't heard of others. That's smart. I could we're say working on, uh, that. working on commitments. And then there's the issue of transportation in rural America. You know, you don't have oftentimes a bus system for workforce. So now we've got a program called LOTS, Lee Ogle Transportation System. They get tons and tons of federal money. And we're working on a program where they will go around and do a bus route like children do to school. This will be adults going to work. And if we can figure this out, it's a complicated thing, but we're going to work on this whole idea of public transit serving in this rural community to get people to work. And then the last thing, the mayor really is all hot bothered about doing this. He wants to have the largest job fair this area has ever seen. And these 22 industries that we met with last week, man, oh man, were they all about this happening? We're going to put on the dog. We're going to have a great meal provided. We're going to have entertainment. We're going to hopefully have 30 or 40 industries. We're going to go TV, radio, newspaper, social media. We're going to advertise the daylights out of this job fair. Uh, probably going to be done around Labor Day. And we're going to try to attract as many people from as far as we can to come to Rochelle to see and understand the great opportunities for careers there are. So those are the things we're working on the workforce front. We're gonna take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my buildings and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my buildings and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success.
you know, your location is close to a lot of bigger cities, so you can probably pull in people for something like that. And talking about that, I'm glad y'all are attacking it. Cause I think this might be economic developers greatest challenge ever. Last night I was driving in from Montgomery back to new Orleans and I'm on a keto diet. So I can't just stop and eat a McDonald's hamburger. <laughs> I'm eating a lot of subways and waffle house eggs and bacon and this and that. I stopped in Montgomery at Denny's, you know, just a Denny's. I want a bacon and eggs and whatever. They closed at seven. I come in there about seven 30. Uh-huh. And so they wouldn't serve me. Didn't have anybody to work. I go down the road to the next exit to the subway. The subway's in a gas station. They were closed. So yep. they had closed also. Nobody to work. I swear to you, I go to the Waffle House. Every Waffle House I ever heard of is open 24-7. I figure I'd get me some bacon and eggs. <laughs> uh, sorry, only one person working we're taking to go call in orders only. Uh-huh. And I thought to myself, this is why we have economic developers. I mean, business owners obviously can't just figure this out on their own or they would. You can't convince me the owner of Denny's is okay closing at seven at night. And Montgomery's a pretty good sized town. I literally could not find a fast food meal, you know, other than a McDonald's, which I can't eat on the keto. Now I know those are lower paying jobs, but if we can't fill those jobs, our society is going to collapse. So I kind of think this is the biggest issue ever for economic developers because the academic side may not see what the private business needs. The private business side may not really see what the academic and the economic developers right in the middle. And we, as a profession have got to bridge this gap because I'm telling you last night, it just hit me over the head. I said, our country's in real trouble. If I can't stop and get a subway, you know, this is obviously a problem across the entire United States of America. And when you start talking about small towns, you know, where there's less and less workforce available, it becomes even a bigger issue, right? So here's kind of what our approach is, is we got to get to these young people and we got to get to them young, early. We got to get to them and talk about the great value of being able to work and stay in town. One of the things I really love to talk to communities about is how you must retain your young people, your intellectual capital. You're spending all this money educating these kids for them to leave you and go take their asset, their brains, their talent somewhere else. So really at junior high, I think it's got to start even maybe earlier. At junior high, we need to be talking to the schools and talking to the kids directly about all the great, wonderful things of our community and why you really want to stay here and how you're going to get a great job here when it comes time for you to get through whatever level of education you decide to go through. We really need to work on that communication. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think we got to do it earlier. Junior high, just exactly like you said. So, well, Rochelle obviously doesn't mind investing in itself. Does it kind of always had that entrepreneurial spirit or is that something that somebody just said, this is what we're going to do or what's that tradition? Well, what I believe is that this is a community uniquely that's had a group of leaders over the hundred and 40 or 50 years it's been in existence that really have been entrepreneurial. So our utility, our Rochelle Municipal Utility, which is where our own power company is hundred over 100 years old. We have, of course, water, sewer, power. I told you we're our own internet service provider. We own our own railroad. I'm also the supervisor and director of the Rochelle Municipal Airport. We have an airport. We have probably the number one skydiving operation in the Midwest, if not in the country, at the Rochelle Municipal Airport. We have one of the best restaurants in an airport anywhere in the Midwest. It was all about the infrastructure. 
you know, it's all about the idea of infrastructure. So when I came to work in Rochelle 17 years ago as their economic development director, there was a 21-inch sewer pipe out in the middle of a cornfield where there was nothing there. There was a 16-inch water line that somebody had the vision to put out there. Today, there are 14 industries where that water line and that sewer line go. It takes vision. It takes leadership. It takes guts to really put the right infrastructure in place to give your community an opportunity to grow. Then the other thing, and this is something I always talk about to small towns, leverage what you have. Leverage what you have. We're on two railroads. And again, 40 years ago, those leaders that were here came up with an idea. Well, let's connect those two railroads to one short line railroad and let's create our own railroad. Well, what town of 9,000 people create a railroad? Right. I mean, these people did. And then you got the two interstate highways that are here. Now, a lot of towns sit on railroads. A lot of towns sit on interstate highways. But until you really focus on leveraging what that can do for economic development, you're just another town with a turnoff with a McDonald's or a subway. Rochelle, Illinois is a community that has got an industrial base that is second to none because of its vision and its infrastructure. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. All right, everybody. In today's executive search spotlight, we are going to touch on a search we are doing for Wiregrass, Alabama. They are searching for an executive director of the Wiregrass, Alabama region. So for those of you all who are not familiar with Wiregrass, it is on the southern border of Alabama. So this is the city of Enterprise, the gateway to Fort Rucker, the city of Daleville, Coffee, and Geneva counties. You're right, probably 70 miles from the Gulf in Panama City on in Georgia. So a great opportunity. All sorts of infrastructure here that you can win in. Not only do you have Fort Rucker, but you're also sitting there with CSX Rail. You have the ports in the Gulf in Panama City. You've got Interstate 65, Interstate 10, I-65, I-85, a couple highways that run through this region, as well as multiple airports including Atlanta, Montgomery, Northwest Florida, Dothan Regional Airport, Enterprise Municipal Airport. So all sorts of access. You've also got multiple industrial parks with acreage open. So this is a great opportunity. If you want to come to Alabama, take a job where you can win instantly. So uh, the salary is going to be up to $110,000 based on experience. And we are accepting applications until July 9th at noon central time. So for more information on this great opportunity, please visit thenextmovegroup.com backslash Wiregrass. Well, let's transition a little bit into your story. So obviously you're passionate about economic development. Are you like most of us? You just fell into this business. So how'd you get in it? <laughs> yeah, kind of. So I'm a graduate, uh, grew up in Illinois, but I'm a graduate of Texas A&M University. Graduated from A&M and went to work in the oil business, which a lot of good Texas A&M graduates do. I got called to come home to the family insurance business in Sterling, Illinois. My dad and brother were in business together and they wanted me to come and be a salesman. And so I came back and we worked together for two years until we all wanted to kill each other. So I found a job in a small food packaging plant in Ashton, Illinois, population 1000. There were 75 employees, a family owned business, contract packaging, and dairy ingredient developer. 
in a town of a thousand people. In the 17 years I was there, we went from 75 employees to 700 employees. We took that business. The family more or less adopted me, made me their director of operations. And then a really strange thing happened. I ended up getting to develop a relationship with a United States senator who was a very conservative Republican, which is hard to get elected in Illinois, who I helped with his campaign. And he pulled me out of the food business and asked me to come to Washington, D.C. and work with him. And I didn't want to go to Washington, D.C. I had a family, two small kids. I stayed home. I became a regional director of the senator's office. And then the senator decided not to run again. I came to a lunch, a breakfast meeting in Rochelle, Illinois, for the Chamber of Commerce and spoke on behalf of the senator right at the last year he was in office. And people came up to me and said, well, what are you going to do now that you're not going to be working for the United States Senate? They said, well, what's your boss going to do? I said, well, he's a millionaire. He can do anything he wants. Me, I'm looking for a job. And so through a series of meetings and so forth, I was recruited to become the economic development director in Rochelle. And it's been an exciting thing. You know, my career, for those who are looking at economic development, maybe as a career, of course, I didn't plan this. So I was in manufacturing. I was in sales. I ended up in government. And then I ended up in economic development and come to find out it was the best training I could have ever had. One of the things that I really enjoy doing is I have, of course, political connections from all across the state. I took two trips with the governor of Illinois, one to Japan and one to Europe on trade missions. So I've gotten to be really networked well on the political side and work well with all of our elected officials, Democrat and Republican alike. You got to work with everybody. Yeah. So you grew uh, up in Sterling. What part of Illinois is Sterling? Sterling, Illinois is 50 miles west of Rochelle. It's close to the Quad Cities. It's closer to the Mississippi River. Alex's family were all from Southern Illinois, down near Metropolis. And his sister lives over in the Moline Davenport area. So he's all the time all around through there. One of the things that got me really interested in economic development is that during that six-year term that I was working for the senator, the steel plant in Sterling, Illinois, which was known as Northwestern Steel and Wire, employed over 5,500 people when I was growing up there in the 60s and 70s. That whole operation shut down. I mean, to watch the collapse. Now, we're talking the year 2000, right around there. Northern Illinois was decimated. All the jobs are going offshore. The big manufacturers that paid really good wages were disappearing. Communities were suffering tremendously. So I saw firsthand as I traveled 25 counties, how much economic development really means to a community. And I want to tell you this. I was in a thousand communities in my six years. And I can tell you, every community leader needs to hear this. You can give pretty much in the first five minutes, whether a town is growing or dying. You drive in and you see the sign on the entrance of the community. If the sign's faded and falling apart, you know, this town's dying. You get into downtown, the sidewalks are cracked. The weeds are growing up through the street. There's abandoned buildings that are not being taken care of. You know that town's dying. You know the town is really dying when you put your hand on the front door of Village Hall and you open it and the person standing there says one or two things. Well, good morning. Welcome to our community. What can we do for you? Now, that town's on the way up. Or, and this is unfortunately probably 90% of the case, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah. Well, the yeah. face of your community is right there at the front door of Village Hall. And if you're not paying attention to that, your community's dying. 
Well, as we start to wind down, what have you learned now that you wish you'd known when you first started? There's got to be some experience you've gained along the way that younger folks might can learn from. You know, well, I've always known this, but it's even more so since I've taken this position. It's all about relationship building. It's all about building trust. The city of Rochelle has been a recipient of over $55 million of grant funding for public infrastructure. 55 million in the 17 years I've been here. Now, I'm not taking all the credit for it. It takes a lot of people to do this, but it's the relationships that I brought with me from being in state and federal government, as well as in the private sector. I mean, the great thing about an economic development career like mine is I've spent half my life in the public sector and half my life in the private sector, but it's the relationships that you build along the way. And I wanna tell you this, it's more than just Facebook or Twitter. It's really sitting down, coffee, face-to-face, sharing life, talking about the issues, building relationships with people is what really brings what I think when I talk to young people, it's the key to your success. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the last year not being able to get out of, I was always an in-person type person. The last year having to do all this by Zoom, it's been hard. It's been hard on me at least. So I'm glad to get back out there. So as we conclude, is there anything else you'd want to share with our listeners I might not have asked you? From an economic development standpoint, what communities need to understand is economic development is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. That means you've got to start and pace yourself and be very, very vigilant on staying the course. One of the things I tell young people that are looking to come into this kind of field, never, never take no for an answer. For sure not the first no, and maybe not after the fifth no. It just depends on the situation, but never take no for an answer. People who persist, people who are vigilant, people who are like that rabid dog that just won't let go of the cuff of the pants of that person they're chasing, you just don't give up. Never, never, never give up. And you know what's kind of interesting is that after a while, people just respect the fact that you know, you're know you not going away. And so they might as well just give you what you're asking for. That is very true. Well, Jason, thank you for being with us today. We appreciate it. Sorry you had to deal with my cold here. Oh, you're looking good, Chad. I want to congratulate you on your weight loss and your keto program and hope the best for you, man. All right. Thank you, sir.